Hello and welcome back to Future Talk with myself, Sam Kluska and Harry Moy. Harry, welcome back. How are you today? Um, I'm okay, thank you, Sam. Uh, I'm looking at the crypto markets at the moment, seeing everything's green, which I'm quite happy considering how yesterday everything was red. Mm. But like a sensible person, I bought the dip. Bought the dip. Buy the fucking the dip. dip. Yes. How are you doing? Yeah, all right. You know, like obviously we're... Um, out of lockdown, kind of. So uh, just been a real, real busy couple couple weeks, especially on the weekends. Uh, I've just had no time um, to do anything, including my writing. So I'm trying to get back onto that now. Um, obviously, us doing this podcast episode is uh, is a start. So it's kind of back on productivity after a few heavy days of binging. Yeah, I think it's, it's quite necessary, right, coming out of the lockdown. Uh, and it's shown when I was out last week, the number of people that were like really, really it was that the places were just really, really busy. And now like I'm trying to get, go into places and there's only like myself and, a, and another friend and they're saying, no, we're, we're fully booked. But I'm just convinced it's not the fact that they're fully booked. It's just the fact they don't want to have a table for two. They want a mm. table for six because they want to make more money. Mm. Which I guess, you know, they've, they've been starved of that, that source of money, haven't they? So they're trying yeah. to claw it back desperately. But um, I didn't really know about the what relief they were getting in this third lockdown. I know obviously the, the relief that they got in lockdown one, but have they pretty much just had no source of like help from the government in this last lockdown at all? I think it's just been furlough still. Okay. And then I think the, the, the bounce back loans and stuff. So the the loans that they, they pay, well, the loans that the government give, uh, and then people just have to pay it back, but it's done through banks. The issue is that there's loads of, um, there's been loads of fraud with that mm. because what, some people have done is they've um they've set up their own limited companies they've taken out the loan uh, and then they've basically just dissolved the company mm. i had heard of you with, yeah. with the uh with the uh with the liabilities with it so they don't have to pay back the loan and they've just taken the cash yeah where there's a will there's a way isn't there i guess yeah but um yeah i suppose we should dig into the uh topic of this episode so we're going to be talking about esports um, which is uh, something that I've actually like had first-hand experience in attending. Um, but we're going to... I thought you were going to say playing for a minute then. No, I wish, you, I wish. at that level. Yeah, well, you know, kind of in the generation of like, it did seem like a real thing that you could uh, you could strive to achieve. Your parents obviously would not, absolutely not uh, back you on it at all. Because it's just, uh, you know, with, with us and our, our parents, there's a huge generational gap in the experiences that we have. And the main thing around it is computers. And this whole internet world, which is like a separate entity. And I think as well for us, because in our formative years, technology was still quite primitive. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it, like esports for us probably didn't really start becoming a, a real thing until maybe we we're about 15, 16 years old. Mm. But now you've got some kids where esports is a serious thing at six, seven, which and, and it's big. Yeah. And and I think that for for the parents, I think that probably adds some legitimacy because well, the parents are probably younger as mm. well, uh, and uh, and it's happening sooner in the child's life, seeing esports being a big thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, it's a bit more of an open club nowadays. Whereas I believe there there was a sort of like esports scene when we were probably like 10 11 12 and thinking like counter-strike early counter-strike uh, 1.6 and stuff where they would have like physical LAN parties um, and teams would compete against each other the thing about it is it wasn't lucrative that's that's the only thing it's money's the driving force now there, there was some that was actually broadcast on tv was that on sky one really there was a cyber games or something where they play i think it was they play some racing game and they would play Counter-Strike was one of them. I actually, I used to watch with my dad mm. and we quite enjoyed it, but but then it just it, it just kind of went off. And now, you know, we see that most uh, most of the stuff that's broadcast on, on TV, because I think BBC now broadcasts some esports, uh, but uh, most of it is now done on Twitch and it's all done through online streaming because the infrastructure is there now from uh, in online streaming. People are more used yeah. to going. You know what? I'm gonna. I watch this on the internet. It's it's a thing that's been propelled by the internet, and so it feels like it's right that it's it's broadcast through the internet rather than through satellite or terrestrial. Yeah, it's a good point. It's what I was going to say as well. It's almost like it's being viewed on a thing that birthed it essentially. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's huge now. It's a it's a massive massive deal. And I guess my my first inkling of it was getting into League of Legends, and that was a ritual kind of routine in, in the in the evenings to try and like play ranked and then to a point where you think like you're good enough to actually be like oh I could actually get 
if I worked hard at this thing, I could um, I could get picked by a team perhaps. And like you did believe that. I don't know. It's I don't know if it's because you're in that world of um, looking at the pros. It'd be no different to like somebody my age at, at the age of 16 looking at their favorite like NBA star and going, I want to be a pro basketball player, which is you know, a, a lot of dreams that kids have um, growing up. And before the internet, they had those same dreams. It's just the same, but like you're looking at I don't know, so like Faker, your mid laner of League of Legends, and you're looking up to them and going, I could be him one day. And it is this kind of like idolization of a sports star, albeit a esports star. And that, that's kind of where there is a lot of like similarities between traditional sports and esports. And those parallels run quite deep in most areas of the two, I think. So I think the, the big difference that I see is in age. Mm. So I think that if by 11, age 11, uh, sort of your kind of early teens, if you're not that good at football or you're not that good at, and when I say football, I mean soccer, but we just call it a proper name. Uh, you know, you're not that good at football. You're not that good at rugby. Mm. Then you're not going to make it as a pro. Yeah. If it, you know, if you, you'll be in an academy. Academies, football academies tend to start kids in at, as young as five if by 11, you're not that good, the academy will release you. Mm -hmm. I think that for esports, and probably because with esports, it's just happened. At, so it's it's still, I mean, it, it still feels quite recent, but I guess it's with things like League of Legends, it's about seven, eight years old now. Mm. But esports being taken seriously, like the worlds and stuff. Yeah. But I can imagine that people started doing, started playing that and started playing League of Legends when they were about 14, 15. So the age at which you realise I can't make it is probably a lot older for esports than it is for professional sports. Yeah, and to be honest, I don't have any good stats on the whole demographic of pro esports or pro League of Legends players uh, in today's game. But um, yeah, for sure, I think I think a lot of the thing was that kind of age of like 14, 15, 16. Because again, like, are we are we even paying attention to like the age restrictions on games anymore? I, I kind of feel like that's just a, <laughs> a thing of the past nowadays. Um, and I'll come back to that because there is one particular instance of that, which I find interesting. But yeah, it's like the season one of League of Legends where it came out and people started to really take it seriously. Um, kind of like 14, 15, 16, to the point of like season two, season three, when like the esports scene started and, and Riot Games started to go down that avenue without real um, hopefulness of of it being such a success as to what it is today, it, to the point where it's kind of, it's seen as the pillar in the esports community of like, oh, this is a real money-making business. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're seeing like spotty teens on like the world stage. <laughs> And they're like considered celebrities in within this within this bubble, though. Like, if you're outside of that bubble, you kind of don't really know who these people are. Um, it is insane, I think. And like, it it's kind of what I like about it is traditional sports are always this like similar types of people, like really athletic males, basically. Um, whereas like this is kind of like completely flips it on its head. Like these esports players would absolutely rip these athletic guys inside out on the game. Do you know it's. It's a real like power shift, I think. And it's kind of like it fights for the smaller man. And it's it's probably more equal as well in the fact that women can can play. I mean, there's no real reason why a woman can't play on a esports team with men. Yeah. You know, when, when it comes to a, a woman playing a professional uh, woman's athlete playing against a professional male athlete, there is, uh, you know, there are challenges there. Uh, but I think on your point about the uh, kind of the, the hopefulness of, of Worlds, I think when Riot did Worlds, there was probably the expectation that they were mainly satisfying the Asian markets because the Asian markets had already kind of had esports. Oh, like Starcraft. Quite prominent because of Starcraft. Yeah. But I think what's taken them by surprise is how big it's become in the Western markets mm -hmm. and how you've got quite a lot of teams that are uh, setting up in Europe, setting up in uh, setting up in North America. I mean, I think, wasn't the first team to win Worlds, weren't they European? That was Fnatic, wasn't it? I yeah, think I think you, they've won a few European. times. Yeah. But the fact that they have regionals is like crazy, isn't it? Like that's that's what I really mm. like about it. So like they'll have the NA battle first, and then they'll have the EU West battle, and then the worlds will be like the top teams from the, those leagues. I mean, it sounds a bit like like how Champions League is, and obviously there's some controversy recently in that with the Super League. But teams fighting for a chance to fight against the best teams around the world, it's kind of like the the way they structured it is like perfect in my eyes. Yeah, and I think 
they've been able to just follow the model that is mm. typical with professional sports mm-hmm. um, and and apply that to to esports and that's one of the reasons why uh, it's been able to be so successful because it's a model that people are familiar with yeah it's not too uh, too sort of crazy yeah but one of the things i do wonder about esports is the is that when you've because if you look at uh like call of duty so uh, activision are, are putting a massive amount of effort into making call of duty in esports in mm. uh, esports sorry but call of duty has an annual release yeah and it's a different game each each year league of legends is fine because league of legends works is is in uh, perpetuity it's there's not going to be a league of legends 2 no it's it's persistent so it it doesn't feel like the but then again i suppose the mechanics of the game still change but with yeah. it's just with call of duty that annual release cycle just feels a bit odd and it's like with uh, with counter strike as well counter strike global offensive is out and there obviously used to be counter strike source but there was a significant number of years between the two yeah and as well with global offensive i can't imagine many people think there's going to be a successor to global offensive anytime soon no the only way i could see there being a next generation is if if valve continue to purge into the like the vr mode and like that we start seeing like vr esports and there's a cs vr or something like that that would be the next thing because you're right because it's kind of like plateaued now where like they've got the game mechanics perfect. There's not anything that really changed from the previous Counter Strikes to Global Offensive in terms of game mechanics and you know your map knowledge and peaking and stuff like that. That's all remained the same. It's literally just the graphics that has changed pretty much. Yeah. Um, and like yeah, you're right. I mean like League of Legends, man. It's uh, it's crazy how much that's done for the rest of the gaming industry. Like you, you talked about Call of Duty changing its game, so you have this like obvious partition of like oh this is an old game now. Like we don't play this game anymore. Um, and like they've tried to change that with Warzone and that started out as being Call of Duty Modern Warfare and now they've released Black Ops Cold War and then there was a lot of questions around well what happens to Warzone and they've really tried to like blend the two so you have Black Ops Cold War and Modern Warfare into Warzone um, and you can use guns from both games and then they've tried to like do this whole story of like how the two combine but like, what is the future of that? Do they just continue to like merge those games into Warzone and, until it's this like one big bundled mess of like four or five different generations of Call of Duty? But like where League of Legends absolutely got it right was doing seasons. Like I'd never seen a game do something like a season before whereby the very core of the game never changes. Like you know what happens in the game, but the items, the runes, the mastery pages, the champions... They all add just a little bit of extra different flavor to the game that you know, but it doesn't change its fundamentals. And that's like obviously been something that we see a lot of change now in games following. Like they're obviously just they're obviously just um, paying tribute to League of Legends in a way by now everything you see is seasonal, and and the new seasons mean new game maps or mechanics, but the same fundamentals of the game remain the same. And that's that's kind of like the vanilla format now, and League of Legends birth that. And that's similar to how traditional sports work because traditional sport i mean not in the fact that the, occasionally some of the rules of the game changes but traditional sports is a seasonal model yeah you have it you have it works on seasons so it seems like they've kind of picked that bit out and and sometimes some of the underlying mechanics of the sport changes season to season so mm-hmm. you know to give an example the handball rule in football uh, the implementation of VAR, which is uh, it, the video assistant referee, which has just been a fucking travesty, in yeah. my opinion. Because, like, I was, I was watching. So it was, uh, it was Arsenal versus Everton yesterday, and it's just like when they do the VAR, the zooming in that they have to do to then draw the lines on the to to mark it as offside, and how long they've got to spend like zooming in and doing that kind of stuff. It makes me go, just if you've got to go to this level of effort to try and determine if it's offside or not. Mm. Just say it's onside. Just favor favor the game. But yeah. but yeah, so that's that's the thing that's um you know sports changes season to season, and it feels like League of Legends has kind of adapted that as well, and and is following that. Yeah, it's a good point, and like I guess that kind of comes back to me saying about how many parallels there are between esports and traditional sports, and I never thought about it like that for sure because NFL is the same. Like they'll have rule changes each season, which will be um there was there was one controversial one which was like secured catch in the end zone and stuff like that so if the ball 
slightly bubbles in their hands as they are in the end zone doing a catch, but they go out of bounds or they go down, then it's actually ruled not a catch, even if the ball doesn't touch the uh, the floor. And everyone was so up that sounds arms. really subjective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got to, and you don't want subjectivity in sports. You want to make it as objective as possible. That yeah. sounds really stupid. Yeah. Like, catch is a catch, surely. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, that those kind of things are the same in esports in that they might change the map layout and then all of a sudden people are saying, oh, it's biased to red team. And, you know, just these things that like maybe the developers didn't predict when when they made these changes that professional players will exploit to the to the greatest of their advantage if they can. Um, yeah. To the point where, you know, you have nerfs and you have patches. And I guess there is a there is a lot more depth in esports in the in what can change. So for League of Legends or Call of Duty, you can add buffs or nerf guns or champions and like if we think league of legends well you know call of duty is the same the amount of guns there are the amount of champions there are there is a lot at play here in terms of like getting the balance right between all of the champions and having the counterplay available for players to choose and um there's this kind of like idea of meta as well that kind of I hadn't really seen before. I suppose it probably was in traditional sports. Like, I guess at one point, 4-4-2 formation in football was meta. Mm. And like that's what people did until people started to break the meta and, you know, coaches come in and we start seeing like diamond formations and stuff like that. Things that people like trying to really um, revolutionize the game. And like the same happens in, in esports. Like you have League of Legends coaches, like you had actual coaches that were thinking of like ways, like team compositions. And you'd start seeing like, maybe there wasn't an AD carry and a support bottom. And there was actually two tanks bottom. And like, you're throwing these like different concepts at the other team to try and like throw off what they're used to and like the different tactics. And like, there's another parallel with like sports and esports. Um, it may be one of them things though, is that to understand that the meta is changed and somebody's doing something crazy is you do kind of have to understand the game and be playing the game yourself. Yeah, like I mean, I think if you look at uh, the, the 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 when you talk about like the parallel to football and the formations, you think about say the late two thousands and football where you had Pep Guardiola's Barcelona side with the tiki taka mm-hmm. football, where it was all these short intricate passes and very sort of slow build up that would eventually just sort of get through the opposition through passing play and then they'd score. Yeah. Now you see that loads of other teams started playing that way. And yeah. you found that a lot of the teams sort of struggled with that. But then you look at uh, the 2015-2016 football season when Leicester City won the Premier League and they just exploited that way of doing things where they just sat at the back and they just hit people on the counter-attack because with the tiki-tack players, teams have to kind of push forward at the pitch. Mm-hmm. They catch on the counter-attack. Then the following season, all of the teams twigged. Well, that's how Leicester play. Yeah. And so they then just adapted their play, their style of football to then make it so that Leicester can't... And I think Leicester ended up finishing... I can't remember where Leicester finished. I don't think they finished very high that season. I think they finished like maybe 10th at like mid-table after previously winning the league because mm-hmm. every team just figured them out. Mm. The only team that didn't figure them out was Man City <laughs> uh, because because they were so insistent on playing their way of, of playing football. So yeah, so that that is quite interesting. The, the, just the, the, the parallels between... Uh, between the, the the sports uh between traditional sports and and esports mm, yeah for sure yeah uh, th- that's it like if you if you look hard enough you'll probably surprise yourself at how many similarities there are between the two which kind of like makes me wonder like why people have turned their nose up at esports like i feel like there's still this stigma of like oh they're just fucking nerds like just playing like how are they earning this much money like there's no there's not even any much skill involved and it's like, well, hang on, like, have you even tried to like buy into the the whole scene? Um, and like, there was a stage, like, as as I've said, like, I really bought into the scene, and like, most of our friends throughout school, I like, did as well, to the point like we had a like fantasy fantasy esports league, like we had a fantasy League of Legends league, whereby you'd pick your League of Legends players for certain positions, so you could pick your mid laner, top lane carry, um, AD carry support jungler. And like you'd you'd like have a team like a roster of ten, and you'd play the perfect ones each week, like you would with normal fantasy football. And for me, like that was when I was really into it. And then going to Worlds, actually, when I went to Worlds in London and I seen it live, I'd actually not played the game in about a year, maybe maybe over a year. Um, I still understood what was going on, and like I still got that buzz. I got that feeling of like I almost I think I did get probably like goosebumps in certain bits, and like it kind of makes me think that. 
that's another similarity is that if you're just part of a a movement, a big movement where you have like really loud atmosphere and you can feel the buzz in the air and the tension, it seems like that's kind of the same feeling that I would get if I was at sort of like a Champions League Arsenal game or something like that. And I feel yeah. like that's that's surprising to me. That was surprising. Yeah, I, I don't think that films, television, I, I don't think that they are able to elicit the same level of emotion that sport does. Mm. And esports is the same yeah. in that respect. In the last minute shift that, that changes the, the game yeah. or changes the result of the game, that, that sort of thing. Or the... The bit where you see, like, I guess I think one of the things is, and one of the points I've, I've, I've made to you before is about sort of the technical mastery that you've got to have to be able to understand the game. So if you think about Lionel Messi, who it's debated as to whether he's the best player in the world. I think he is the best, player, the best football player in the world. When he gets past every single player and scores a goal, it is quite clear the level of skill that he has had to, mm. to have to be able to produce that move and, and why it's such a good goal. It's very clear. But when you see something happen in League of Legends, where you see someone like Faker, who I think has actually been called the Messi of League of Legends, <laughs> when you see someone like Faker play and he pulls off an amazing move, to me as somebody who I dabbled in League of Legends and didn't really play it anywhere near as much as you guys did because mm. I, I just didn't, the, the MOBA kind of genre just didn't really appeal to me. But watching him play and him pull off a really great move, it's a lot more difficult to understand why it is such a good play yeah yeah but if, like if you're not if you're not aware of the, the it just feels to me the technical mastery that is required is just not as visible with esports as it is with traditional sports but then again i mean i think part of that is because as well i suppose i've i've been a lot more into into football if if we talk about a sport like cricket somebody pulls off a really good catch or when kevin peterson did his hand switch and was able to go from a right-hand switch to a left-hand switch and, and when, when batting. That was quite clear, but there's quite a few things that come off in cricket where I'm, I'm not, it's not very clear to me why it is that that's such a good play. Same mm. with rugby, same with American football. Sometimes it's not all that clear to me. Uh, but I think perhaps because football is the sport that I mainly follow, that's why it is a lot more clear to me as to why. And because I play it a lot more than any other sport as well, yeah. that's why it's probably clear to me that uh, that that, that play in football has been a, is a really good play yeah and I think you talking about playing it is important because I feel like mostly everyone has played football just how accessible it is whereas perhaps League of Legends isn't quite as accessible there's a bit more of a higher skill cap in order to get truly the benefits out of the game that you would like and at the same time like if you but also when, when, when you're young you, your parents aren't gonna stick League of Legends in front of you either. They're going to want you, when you're like four or five years old, they're going to want you to be outside kicking a ball around yeah, and doing yeah. physical ex physical activity instead of sitting with a hunchback playing, playing League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. And like that tradition will never go away. Can you imagine like having kids and would you be worried if your kid was inside playing the latest, greatest game and like they were asking to be an esports star? Would you be worried that like maybe they should be doing more physical stuff? I think, yes, I think... Them saying they want to be an esports star wouldn't worry me, but I do still think that there is a level of physical activity that they need to have. Yeah. And I wouldn't yeah. want them to be buried inside all the time. Yeah. And I, if, if you remember earlier in this episode, I, I kind of talked about um, the age ratings and stuff and like, are we are we over that? There is um there is a guy, well, I'd say a child on on Twitch streaming that he stream he streams Warzone. And I don't know if he streams with his brothers or what, but he's like nine. And like, there's always clips of him like just wrecking people, like just winning battle royales easily. But like, I don't know if like you should be encouraging that. I think it's difficult, isn't it? And it's a catch twenty two. And I think probably parents have had the same um, approach with people that want uh, their children that want to be like professional athletes. And it's like there's a lot of like, well, just manage your expectations and like make sure you have a backup plan and stuff. And those same parallels are there again, but. I don't know, there's just something like, because it's virtual, because you are sat inside and like you're not having physical activity, there's a little bit of extra worry with me where I'd be like, man, is, is, this, is my child like doing the right thing? Or should I be encouraging him to be on Twitch streaming like Warzone or whatever the, the upcoming game will be? And I think it's going to be really hard to, to get over that stigma. And that's kind of ultimately what will be the cap for esports is that it's just not going to be a time where it's open to all to play. Mm. Um, I think... One of the benefits of esports is that 
is the mental side of it. Mm. So I think it probably does serve as a mental exercise. Yeah. When when sort of operating at a high level. On the on the point about kids, did you? Because I can remember when you got your Xbox and you started playing on Xbox Live. But I think that was after party chat was a thing. I was quite late to 360. Yeah, I, I kind of got in when I was just approaching sixth form. So like I was like 16, 17. But I've been PC gaming for, for a while. Yeah. So I remember, because I got Xbox in 2008, early 2008. Mm. So it was Call of Duty 4 was sort of the game that everyone was playing at the time. It was Call of Duty 4 or Halo 3. And it was before uh, party chat was a thing. So you could only talk to people you were playing the game with at this point. Okay. Like, I feel really nostalgic sort of talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I always like, feel like I, feel like I need to have like a cane or something and, and have like a walking stick because I'm really old. The amount of abuse that you would receive yeah. from, from American nine-year-olds insulting your mother mm. was just ridiculous. <laughs> and so I think the, the whole age rating thing, I, I think that's what it used to be like. It's too far gone, isn't it? You know, yeah. 12, 12 years ago. I've got to think to myself, those people that were like abusing my mother uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, when playing COD 4, they're adults now. Yeah. But it was that long ago. I mean, it was about 12 years ago, nearly 13 years ago. Jesus Christ. It was about, it was about 13 years ago. Yeah. They're adults now. Mm. But it's, it, it, I think it is, yeah. I think it is something that's just going to remain. It's just going to remain. It's similar to like piracy, isn't it? It's like, how do they police it? Like, there's just no fucking way that they're going to police like children playing it at, at certain ages, unless they really start like doing a lot of like know your customer and like loads of other like, you know, goodbye privacy, basically. There's just fucking, they know everything about you. And it's like, yeah, all online. So it's all API driven. And, you know, your card has to be authenticated against your account, which would then verify that you're 16 or 18 or whatever. Like, but most people, because you had to pay for Xbox Live Gold, you you either paid it on a subscription. So I had an annual subscription and my mum's credit card was on the Xbox. So it would just renew every year. for mm-hmm. like, It was like 40 quid. So for a lot of people, they probably already had, they probably had credit cards are probably already authenticated on, yeah. the, on the system. They, yeah. were just using their parents, they were just using their parents' credit card. Uh, but yeah, but then I think if, with like a Know Your Customer thing, like you think about uh, our mate Tommy and how many Xbox accounts he had. Yeah. Because he just kept getting to like the highest rank on Halo. So he ended up having to create a new account to then go back to being the highest rank on Halo again. Mm-hmm. But I mean, having to authenticate him three, four times. Yeah, because like there's um that petition we were on about the other in the other episode about Katie Price and stuff like that. Like it's kind of that it's that similar vibe, isn't it? Of like, are we are we protecting or are we like intruding? And mm-hmm. you know, I guess if we had that in today's world, would esports have even really been a thing? Because at the end of the day, like all these now pros were probably doing their training when they were younger than what the game's recommendation was yeah and that's why they're so good because like kids are sponges so if you're like cognitively training on this game when you're like in your absolute best state to learn like you are going to smash everyone else and i feel like even now like i'm slowing down with my reaction speeds and stuff and i'm thinking like god these kids are just like incredibly good like it's insane to try and compete against them and i think that what's interesting about that is if you think about, so again, when, when talking traditional sports, I'm pretty much always going to use football as an example because that's the, the sport that I know that I know best. A striker slash midfielder, so a more active player on the pitch than a defender or a goalkeeper, will typically retire or at least start entering the, will end up going from top level to maybe going from a top level club down to a, a mid-level club mm. at around 32, 33 they'll start. You get the freaks like Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Lionel Messi and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who are just ridiculously good players that are able to operate at just a higher level than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your defenders that will typically be about 36, 37, and then goalkeepers that will probably retire around 40. In esports, I can imagine that the retirement age will be a lot earlier than that. Because yeah. like you were saying, I mean, you're, you're uh, 25, going on 26, and you're saying that your some of your reaction speeds are already dropping. If you imagine being a professional and your reaction speeds are starting to drop, I mean, I suppose the difference is that they'll be training a lot more than you are, but still, your their their cognitive processing dropping. They might end up being retiring by the time that they're thirty. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's been esports players that have retired at quite young ages. Yeah, we've already seen like a lot of retirements. I think the team that I followed the most back in the day was Dignitas. And like most of that team have already retired, like Scara, I'm a cutie pie. 
they've all just started you know what it is i think is similar to professional sports is the intensity that they have to train at it's yeah it's not a game yeah. anymore like it, we, we we say like football is a game but like when it becomes a business it's no longer a game for the professionals mm. Like they are training day in, day out, playing football, playing League of Legends every day of their lives for a lot of hours. Like there's no longer a game. So the the sheer intensity of it is is kind of why I think there is a, a like a really small finiteness about their careers. There's just no way that they could keep that kind of intensity up for as long as they as they, as they can. Um. So yeah, I think like it is a uh, it's probably like a get rich quick scheme in in a way. Like what's the longevity of it? And I guess a lot of esports players kind of do go into that Twitch streaming. They've made their fame from esports. I was esports. just thinking that, yeah. Um, others go into sort of shoutcasting, which is another way of saying commentating, but they've always called it shoutcasting if it's to do with esports. Yeah, and I think that's kind of it. Like, it's just the intensity. Nobody can, can go at 100% for 10, 20 years and still dominate. It's just impossible. Hmm. One thing I do also with direct esports is when when laws to the game at least a game of football happens it's not a unilateral decision so fifa has members each country that is a member of fifa then gets to vote on the laws of the game that get changed i can imagine like formula one that is unilateral and what i mean by that is the developer if the developer goes right the i mean i remember cod the uh in model Warfare 2 you had the akimbo 1887s that were shotguns but they were like sniper rifles mm. in the distance they could go and people were saying you know these are absolutely overpowered and whatever infinity war then goes right we're, we're making that weak now we're yeah. nerfing it that's it it's infinity war's decision nobody else goes well no you can't you can't do that so it's just like the i guess the, the almost the power that the sort of the developer of the game has in respect to esports yeah like, it's just totally unilateral there is it is all in them they yeah. get to make all the decisions and there's no governance or anything around that. Yeah, I, you are right. And like there, there is a, a different dynamic in esports in that, again, going back to League of Legends, they'll have like what they call like a world's patch. So they'll patch the game with relevant buffs or nerfs to different champions. And that will be the patch that is going into worlds. And the players have a chance to learn that patch and like learn the different exploits they can do from different champions. But there was also this different dynamic of League of Legends, like Riot Games would would listen to what the pros are saying in terms of like this champion needs this buff or this nerf. But like that didn't cascade down to like the lower ELO play. So like the people that weren't as good as the pros. And there would be champions that would absolutely dominate the the lower ELOs, but were balanced in the higher ELOs. And that's just because people that were like better at the game knew how to counter that champion. But people that were like shit at the game didn't know how to like combat against that champion and like the, the best example of that is a champion like uh katarina for example in league of legends where if she gets a kill she gets all, all all her skills reset and she can just go around and wipe out the rest of the team she's a champion that's counted by team play so she's a she's a champion that is basically just like locked you need to lock her down like you need to stun her and stuff like that but no not one person can stun and kill the the champion at the same time so like that's why in lower elo when everyone's just fighting for themselves and playing on their own mm -hmm. it was a completely different dynamic to what the pros were asking for in terms of like maybe buffs to katarina because she was getting locked down too easy and stuff like that so there was that weird dynamic where you wouldn't get that now where like rules change based on what the premier league clubs are saying but then like you're playing in sunday league like fuck this rule's bullshit like Free yeah. kicks are like so far away now. Like the minimum free kick is like 30 yards, you know, like something crazy like that. You just don't see it. Yeah. And I think as well with, with football, I can imagine that when the, I mean, I'm not sure how much it is with, with esports, but with, with football at the moment, like the, I, I'm not sure if you've seen like the offside, the way some of the offside rules have worked mm. now, but it's, it's like the whole body. So it's not just the feet. It's not just the feet. Oh, okay. So if you imagine as a kid, if you're a striker, so the goal scorer, uh, you are you are taught to when there's someone who's got the ball in the field, you are taught to point to where you want the ball. So mm -hmm. you'll point ahead and you'll go, right, I want the ball there so that I can then run in and score. If as you point, if at that point the players made the pass, they start to just made their kick the ball. If your finger is offside, you're offside. Mm. Which is stupid. Because that, is stupid, that finger yeah. is not giving you an advantage ahead of the striker if your foot was then yeah you're absolutely getting advantage or getting an advantage over the defender 
But your finger being there is not getting you an advantage in mm. getting to the ball before the defender. So that has been an absolute annoyance. And especially now with the whole stuff with VAR and the stupid lines that they're drawing. I can imagine, and I hope to Christ, that that rule changes mm. based upon the feedback that has been witnessed of just the level of sort of bullshittery that we're seeing in the game at the moment. Yeah. I'm not sure what the feedback loop is like in esports, if that's something that um, that happens with players going, well, this is shit. Yeah. No, I think I think it does. I think it does happen. I think it's probably obvious to see when um, there's just obvious people like people obviously exploiting changes that Riot Games have made or, um, you know, Activision have made to certain guns. Like people will jump on it straight away. Like I don't know how they find it so quickly. It's almost like they have people like actively seeking out broken stuff to like abuse. Um, but for sure. I think it's as well with things like YouTube. So, I mean, I remember being able to go onto YouTube and find out how to do a glitch or something on COD. And then it'd be a bit where you find like some map on the map, you'd find some building or something. And if you look down and crouched and then you jumped a few times, yeah. then you'd be able to like climb the map or something and you'd be able to get a vantage point that was previously un- un- uh, inaccessible. The only way you could get it would be by doing that glitch and then suddenly you've got a vantage point where you could just kill everyone. Yeah. YouTube, you, you you can't get that in, so you can't really get that in like football where <clears throat> you find a, a thing to exploit and then suddenly it's on YouTube on how to exploit that thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because um, I think people make YouTube careers out of like finding the best loadouts for different guns and stuff. And like people will swarm to it. But like, you're not really looking at people saying like, this is the best like shoes and sock combo to wear for, you know, if you want yeah. super group. Like, because it doesn't work that way, does it? And apparel doesn't change the way that you play football. It's It's about your own individual skill. And the next stage on that is kind of like, are you able to listen to and implement tactics within the game whilst having your own skill to keep possession of the ball and stuff? So yeah, there's places where it does differ for sure. But I think like esports is kind of here to stay, like it, it will remain. And it, I'm in my head, I'm just looking for that next big game that is really going to take it by storm. Because we've had Counter-Strike dominate for a while. League of Legends came in, you've had Starcraft, Dota, those kind of like... I, I'd categorize them all into the same sort of like place, like the RTS and the MOBA. I'm kind of waiting for that next next big one, which I think may be VR. Like it may be a VR multiplayer game that like really captures the attention of like an even wider audience, whereby people want to jump in like Ready Player One. That could be like the next the next big thing, and that that will be a very interesting point in time, I think, in the future. Yeah, that makes me wonder like, what makes a good esports game. Because I'm thinking of games that I quite enjoy playing just the multiplayer of that I thought were quite good. So Left 4 Dead versus Mode, that was a game that you really had to play as a team. Mm. I think when I played with with my friends, we used to play versus Mode all the time. I think we only really lost maybe once or twice. We were really, really good at it because when you played as the infected, you each, because uh, you got spawned as a as whatever, didn't you? You, you, yeah. you wouldn't get a choice as to what you wanted to be, but you would spawn and you would have it where you maybe would have, say, the boomer would come in and they would uh you know do the do the boomer bile which brought all of the the infected zombies in against the uh against the humans and then they also had low visibility so at that point a smoker might uh would be able to come in and use their thing to pull one of the uh the humans away and then you might have a jockey or someone that's also pulling them away and and you you could only really succeed as the effect in that game, if you kind of coordinated the the approach, you basically had to make a play. Mm-hmm. And you, but the, the the interesting thing about it uh, was the fact that you didn't know what you were going to be. You couldn't say, right, I'm going to be a boomer, you're going to be whatever. It was just, okay, these are what we are. We've now got to strategize in our head as to what is the is what is the right play in this situation. The the environment that they're in, what do we do? If it's a really open space, it makes it more difficult. But if you've got say uh, Oh no! So if it's an open space, it makes it easier. But if it's a closed space, it becomes a lot more difficult to to do things. Mm. Uh, so something like Left 4 Dead, I would have been really interested to see that as like a as like an esport or uh, Frozen Synapse, where I know if, if I'm not sure if you played Frozen Endzone, which was like the successor to that. No, but Frozen Synapse was this game where you had say a few characters, which were like you would have a, a guy with a shotgun, and you would have a, a couple of characters that were uh, that 
had like automatic rifles and it was basically like a matchmaking game. It was like a death match and you would move your players into different points and you'd give them things to, to look at and then you would lock in your turn and then the other player would do the same thing and they would lock in their turn. But what you could do is you could sort of go, okay, well, if they, it would allow you to simulate, if they move their player there and they move that character there and they move that character there, what what would be the scenario? So you could simulate the scenarios where if my players move there, sorry, my characters move there, their characters move there, who would win? It's like a virtual chess match. Yeah, and you had to try and think through the different scenarios and try and figure out the probability of what approach they would take and then you would lock in they would lock in and then it would it would run this it would run the game based upon where you've told your play where you've told your characters to go mm-hmm. that's something that i i think that would be a really good thing to see as an esport uh, yeah. but it, it isn't and there, there's this seems to be like there's a, a quite a lot of games that could very well have been esports because now it's not going to be an esport i mean frozen synapse came out like nearly 10 years ago it's mm. not going to be one, but it just, it, that's the thing that like, for me, like there's just so many, like it just seems to be an RTS, a MOBA, a first person shooter. Like, those are kind of the only form or, or FIFA, Yeah. which FIFA doesn't really interest me as an eSport either. No, Madden is rather just, I'd rather, rather just watch, rather just watch a football game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I just find that the, the, one of the problems that I have with eSports is it's like, if you don't like these particular genres, then it's not really, you know, it, it's. It's like cricket, football, rugby, which in the UK are, you know, the sort of the main sports in the UK. And obviously in America, they've got basketball, ice hockey, uh, soccer uh, and, and, and football. They are fundamentally different games. Mm-hmm. I find that with esports, there's just, it just seems to be like the, the flavour, the, the actual fundamentals of the games are very similar in, in the fact that it is just broken into the genre. So you've yeah. got three different esports, but they're all RTSs or you've got, and then you've got another three, but they're all MOBAs. So Dota and League of Legends, like they're two different esports, but fundamentally they're the same. Yeah, and there's it, just I... there's just the, the the mechanics that are exclusive to those games, or just the characters and stuff that are exclusive to those games. Yeah. So I just feel like the actual optionality is very low with esports. Yeah, you know, you're probably right in that. Perhaps perhaps we should look at the genres themselves as the sport. So, yeah. um, for example, you have Overwatch League you have CSGO, let's say in that case, it's kind of like rugby but the, or, or football. And then you have like Australian rules and stuff like that. So there are yeah. different flavors of the same physical genre sport, but like it's the same with esports as well. And like, yeah, you're right. It's kind of like they're waiting for maybe a, a new genre to come around and smack you across the face. Because I don't think MOBAs, I don't know if there was MOBAs before like League of Legends. Obviously, there was there was yeah, Do- there the, was Dota. Yeah, you had there? the original Dota. Yeah, yeah. But I think as well, uh, you have to hedge your bet a bit mm. when it comes to esports. So let's say I want to play football. I know if I get to a, a decent level of football, I know that the game isn't going to change enough, or market forces aren't going to make football irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Let's say I play Overwatch. Market forces in two years' time might actually say Overwatch isn't relevant anymore. Yeah. And now suddenly, I I start playing COD. I'm, I'm not good enough for COD. I just yeah. go, I'm not good. I'm not even though it's an FPS, it's a similar game. But I am so into Overwatch, and you know I'm an expert on Overwatch. And I, I mean, Overwatch is a game I think is a bit different because of the, the nature of it and the fact that it's kind of still composition based on on teams and the mm-hmm. characters that you you choose. It's a bit like a MOBA uh, FPS mix. Yeah. together and that's one of the things that i actually really enjoyed about overwatch was it you could kind of succeed as an individual but you had to work you had to work as a team mm-hmm. uh, but or you play halo and you might uh, halo and i think halo and cod are probably more synonymous than than overwatch and something else but yeah you might play halo and then you go halo suddenly becomes irrelevant according to the market you go to cod which is not as good because I found that I wasn't as good as at COD as I was at Halo. And I know people that weren't as good at Halo as they were at COD. Mm-hmm. But if I play football, market forces ain't going ain't gonna to make football irrelevant anytime soon. Yeah. You kind of, you are playing along with like heritage, aren't you, as well? Like, are we going, if we had the same conversation in 2100 and League of Legends is still going and it's still big, like, is that then enough to solidify the the market of League of Legends is not going away. And then like, I, I really wanted to ask you this question in that when we were at school, uh, there was a lad called Jordan Graham, who is now a professional footballer, but he was constantly taken out of school to go and um, train with Villa Academy. Yeah. 
So if you had like 50 years time, League of Legends is still big. Would it be acceptable to take a child out of school to go to some League of Legends Academy and train with, I don't know, Cloud9 or whatever in, in Europe? Yeah, I think I think one of the things you have to take into account was at our school, with it being an accelerated curriculum, when he started getting pulled out of school, He'd already got to had, that, that was in year 11, mm. and we had already done our exams in year 10. Mm. So it wasn't as detrimental to his education as it seems. Mm -hmm. I think it could very well be acceptable. It's, yeah. it's, about, the mar it's about the market. It's, it's money, about, isn't it? It's, it's about, money. Yeah, I mean, football players get paid. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you've got the chance of earning, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure what level he's playing at now, but he was still earning 10, at least £10,000 a week. Yeah, I think he was at championship level at one stage. Which yeah. is, which is, you know, nearly, which is, yeah, which is nearly like, what, half a million a year. Yeah. But that's still a, a decent amount of money to be making. Yeah. If esports is able to get players uh, earn the same amount of money, then by all means, it's, it's what, what what's the earnings potential? Really? Yeah, for sure. I just, I, I'm really interested in that question because it's like, is that stigma ever going to go away? Where it's like, what, you're, you're like leaving school to go play video games? It's like, well, no, let's not let's not call it a video game. Like, it's training for a professional career. In I I think it has. I think I reckon that stigma is probably already gone. Do you reckon? Because I genuinely believe that the so we're we're like younger millennials. Yeah. From a generation perspective. Old millennials. No, young millennials. Young millennials. Okay. So because the the millennial generation is about fifteen is about fifteen years in the, in sort of between the the top and the end. Okay. So if we were born about two years younger, we would be old Gen Zers. Okay. I think there is a massive difference culturally between the millennial generation and Gen Z. Yeah. And as a consequence, I think that something like being taken out of school to play video games is more acceptable. Yeah. You think about the number of just the. I mean, you saw that thing. You must have seen that thing that came out about. The career aspirations of kids that are younger and like youtubers like one of the top ones and yeah who, who would have influencer as well yeah yeah i mean you think about our you think about our, our generation and we know someone that had the aspiration to be a youtuber at school <laughs> and they got yeah. absolutely wrecked for it yeah yeah it's interesting you know i wonder what school life is like nowadays is is it a case of like people trying to get like the best in instagram shot against their like english block building where they learn it's like <laughs> do you know what i mean like is it completely different now because i mean we did have we didn't really have smartphones i think like the the most up-to-date phone back then was a blackberry or an lg cookie or something like that it's not a fully smartphone like iphone yeah, wasn't it, a thing well i mean well it, it was i mean you think about it the, the, the iphone came out when we were in when we entered secondary school pretty much yeah so the iphone came out in early 2007 and we were in year seven in, in that in that yeah yeah it's just it was really expensive we didn't really have we didn't have the money and yeah if somebody had an iphone it was like bloody hell you got an iphone mm -hmm. like i i didn't have an iphone until sick form my mm -hmm. first iphone was the iphone 5 and i knew a few people that had iphone 4s and iphone 4s but for somebody to have had an iphone an iphone or a 3g or 3gs the only people that had those were the teachers yeah and it was yeah anybody that had one of those it was you were in a, you know proper shock about how they're able to sort of afford it uh, now the accessibility is so, kind of like flipped on its head hasn't it yeah and you think about the fact that you've got so many models now of iphone and the performance of them you know the, the latest one is what the iphone 12 uh, you could get a an iphone 10 that is what you had the 10s and then you had the iphone 11 uh was it when was there an iphone 11 yeah, there was an iPhone 11. Um, yeah, there was. There was yeah. yeah, there was an iPhone 11. There's a thing. There's, I, I feel like I need to know this. Like, I feel yeah, like yeah, you should. This is cut bad. But you you could get a kid an iPhone 10, get them that pre-owned or something that's like a few hundred pounds. Mm. And I think it's also more acceptable to be paying that much money for a phone. Yeah, yeah. Because I have seen a few articles about, I mean, like, you know, they've called it like a pandemic or whatever, but like kids on their phones in schools and like how distracting it can be to, to their own learning. But like, again, like it just it just makes me think of like, is it is it now a point where if you are somebody known in school that plays a load of video games, you're actually kind of like a cool kid now rather than like yeah. before before you'd be like, you're a fucking nerd, like go out and go play or something like that, which is what it, what it used to be like. Like that's just the way yeah. it was. 
it just makes me wonder how how much that shifted and you know does does esports and the um what it's enabled in terms of like a wider market has that made has that normalized it at all yeah yeah it probably has i think it has normalized it uh i think now that it's very clear that that you can even if you don't go the esports route but just the twitch streamers you look at this uh you look at like ninja and you look at i feel really old and <laughs> you look at like uh, is it was it like mr beast and PewDiePie and because I remember like when 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 we were in school, PewDiePie was like first sort of becoming big. Yeah. They're multi, multi millionaires. Look at KSI, who started off as a bloody FIFA streamer. Well FIFA yeah. YouTuber, yeah. Who would just scream at FIFA and get really angry. Play and, Hesky and yeah, that'd be it. Yeah. And now he's making he does like bloody the, the boxing and he's Headline in Reading Festival, I think. Yeah, and he's rapping. Like it's even if you go beyond esports, the the earnings potential of playing video games and and uploading it to YouTube or streaming it is is insane. Mm, maybe we should start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we should. Start. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the but I mean, what would be the, I don't know. I don't even know. Like you're you're more you you're more aware of what the, the the games to play now. I guess it sounds like it's just Warzone. Yeah, Warzone's taking everything by storm. I think everyone. It's been one of those games that everyone's tried to get started streaming with. I know that like one of my other friends, he started streaming that on Facebook. Um, it's just the saturation, you know. It's it's no different to YouTube saturation now. Like you to try and break through YouTube is is hard, hard, hard work. And I think that's what people don't see is like the amount of hours people have put in before they notice the success i think people just always see the end goal like pewdiepie now ksi like these people are like slaving away in front of their computers to get content out it's not like they've just been lucky for sure like i think people should like forget that ideology of it's just luck and they've just got in at the right time like these people work hard yeah and it's funny because um yeah there's a there's a twitch streamer um i think he's called tyler one and he plays league. He's like this like buff jack guy. I always see him like memed. He's like he's always in gifs and stuff. But there's there's one way he's like, yeah, see you guys, bye. And then like he he's thought he's like cancelled the stream and closed it down. And like he instantly like puts his head in his hands and he's obviously like clearly exhausted, like shattered. And then he like he like he's got his head in his hands. And he looks up and he realizes he's still streaming. And then like he closes it down. But like this is the thing. Like this is this is work for people. Like esports mm. streaming, it's hard work. Like you are putting across a persona of like what isn't actually you. It's just that intensity, isn't it, that gets to everyone. So you know, may, maybe that you feel envious of their position, but like, do you really like? Do you really want to be sat in front of a computer twelve hours a day trying to be happy, happy Dory? If even if you're not, like, because it's your job. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I think that's just you one don't have thing the benefit, and, and most don't have the benefit of having simps. Yeah, giving you money. Yeah, that's easy, isn't it? Yeah, you could, Harry. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll get my own simps. <laughs> <laughs> There's a simp for everyone in the world. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's probably a a good point to yeah cool. to end it. Um, so yeah, so thank you everyone for listening, and stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this episode of Future Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, DM us on Twitter. I'm at BT Kluska. And I'm at Harry Moy. Everything we've discussed in this episode is linked in the show notes. See you next week. <laughs>